You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now it's Marshall with Nelson. Nelson left side. Stepping, dragging to the backhand, goal! For the second straight game, it's Nelson in overtime! Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Bittersweet 17 edition. I'm Isles Box Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review the shows or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, are over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for New York Islanders coverage. So the point streak lives on now at 17 games, 15-0-2. And even though it's you know always a little bit tough to go to sleep after an overtime loss, a little bit easier uh, when that occurs at 1 a.m. in the morning. Although I will say this, those at Oyster Bay Brewing Company, the watch party, uh, they may have hung out a little bit longer. Uh, great job, by the way, by Hockey Night in New York, Devin, over at Yes Men Outfitters, Oyster Bay Brewing Company, and others for putting that together. It looked like a fantastic turnout. Isles fall 2-1 to the San Jose Sharks in overtime. Logan Couture, who's been red hot this whole season with the overtime winner. A game where the Islanders played well. They created chances. They drew penalties. We'll get more into that later. Um, I think there was a sense after the game, and Butch talked about it in the post game. if you stayed up, that this was really the best game they've played in about over a week. And, and that despite the fact that uh, this is the first game on a West Coast trip, and often that can be the hardest as the players get acclimated after the travel and the time zone change, and they could come out a little bit sluggish. Um, maybe they did a little bit in those first five minutes, but they played a really good 55-minute game after that. Um, Barry Trotz, who tends to be very measured 
after wins during the streak, not wanting his team to, you know, think that they bet that they're better than they are. Uh, even he was complimentary after the game. Well, I liked a lot of things. Um, you know, I didn't like maybe the first five minutes were a little bit slow out of the blocks, but uh, after that, the rest of the game, I, I we had lots of chances to to uh, to score. We had lots of chances. We drew a lot of penalties. We did a lot of good things. Just couldn't find the back of the net, and it comes down to one play and uh, in overtime. So. Um, if we play that way and continue through this trip, we'll win some hockey games. So listen, if you're an Islanders fan, obviously tough to complain or get angry or get upset uh, about an overtime loss on the road. This actually was the first road loss of any kind that this team has suffered since October the 11th and that game against Carolina where they kind of got their doors blown off uh, there in that you know first you know stretch where they started off one and three. But you know overall, I think they outplayed the Sharks tonight. Um, but uh, you couple that with you know some of the other games where they've been able to not only get points but to get wins in recent weeks. The game against Pittsburgh, most recently down two in the third period. Of course, the three nothing deficit where they rallied back against the Penguins, and it does even itself out a little bit. Now, a uh, remarkable stat that came out after the uh, Penguins game on on Thursday night that the Islanders had a streak going in which they had won nine straight games in which they had allowed the first goal. So that also came to an end last night and has been the case several times throughout their streak. The team responded quickly, and in this case it was Casey Zizekas with a goal 27 seconds after the Sharks made it one nothing in the first. San Jose actually challenged that play for goalie interference. They did not win that challenge. That led to one of the Islanders' power play chances. Here's what the Islanders' goal scorer had to say after the game. We knew they were going to come hard. They, they always do in this building. And, um, you know, I thought we did a good job of kind of weathering that and, and coming back with our own pressure. And, um, once we kind of did that, we I thought we took over the game for most for most of it. And, um, you know, it's what it is. You're not going to win every game, but we got a point out of it, and now we move on to Anaheim. And taking over the game, the Islanders were able to uh, manufacture power play chances, and that's not something that they've been able uh, to do throughout this season, although it's trending in a different direction. They went over 6 last night, uh, never good, but um, they still have the fewest power play chances in the NHL right now with just 50 at this point of the season. Uh, but it was the sixth straight game in which they've gotten at least three chances on the man advantage. That shows you how little they were drawing penalties early part of the season, and now they've had 13 in the last two games. Of course, they scored two power play goals against the Penguins, unable to capitalize against San Jose, but overall, Barry Trotz was satisfied with how the power play unit operated. Well, they, they're number one in the league for a reason. They, they put a lot of heat on you, take away a lot of your, your options. They put you in, in small spaces and jump you, and you got to make some plays. I thought we adjusted as the game went on. We kept adjusting and, and doing things, and we were getting a little more zone time and, and some luck, but you know, we, didn't, we didn't find the back of the net. But uh, I like the fact that we were skating, we were drawing penalties because we were skating at the Hollis down. And, um, you know, as I said, it comes down to, you know, a play. And Anders Lee, the captain, uh, he had some chances last night as well, unable to capitalize. Here is his view on the power play. I think it's just uh, things have to always average themselves out. It's a little dry start to start the year, but I think now we're, we're getting a few more calls, but I think it's just the product of the game. Um, you know, we had possession at times that forced them to start reaching. Those things happen to us, too. Um, so, again, plenty of opportunities on the power play. Uh, obviously disappointing to not convert uh, one more. 
So Anders Lee talking about how things even out uh, throughout the course of the year when it comes to power play chances. And, you know, Anders Lee better start hoping that things even out when it comes to scoring goals as well. Um, it's hard to be negative at all when the team has won, uh, you know, 15 out of the last 17 games, 15-0-2, 17-game point streak, uh, breaking franchise records. Um, obviously, um, still behind the Capitals in the division, but overall the amount of points they've been able to get in the games they've played um, is at top of the league. Power rankings have them number one, Yahoo, ESPN, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there are still some underlying stats here that go, you know, what if these guys get hot too? Uh, you know, how much better can the Islanders be playing? Um, one of them is Anders Lee and, and also coupled with Jordan Eberle. So Jordan Eberle, uh, believe it or not, is still without a goal this season. He has zero goals and five assists. And, yes, we know he missed time, but now he's been 11 games without a goal to start his year. And, of course, he's playing with Anders Lee, uh, Matt Barzell playing center for, for them last night. Um, and um, since Eberle has gotten back into the lineup, his return was on November 9th, Anders Lee does not have a goal. In fact, he does not have a point. Uh, so, you know, you have a situation here where that, you know, that second line of uh, Beauvillier and Broussard and Nelson – they're now the ones supplying a lot of the offense um, for the Islanders, and 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 Everlay and Lee are kind of still are trying to find their way and break out of a bit of a slump. Uh, but that's kind of been the story the entire season uh, with the Islanders, and even going back to last year, that you know they're not going to have any player, um, you know, maybe outside of Matt Barzell that is on the top, you know, 15, 20 scorers in the league. But overall, uh, they're going to have goals up and down their lineups, and as long as the entire team is in cold. At one point, that's been enough for them to continue to score and to get to that magic number of three goals most nights. So whether or not it's Scott Mayfield chipping in a goal or obviously Casey Zizekas like the goal last night or Ryan Pulak scoring the game-tying goal and you know Josh Bailey being able to score. He's on a bit of a higher pace now. He actually scored 20 goals for the first time in his career this season. Things are okay, um, but just it's just interesting to see things going as well as they are. The record being what it is, um, at 16-3-2, and two, and Jordan Eberle, uh, one of the guys you brought back early in free agency because you needed his scoring, uh, has no goals for 11 games. And then your captain, Anders Lee, who scored 40 goals, 30 goals in the season, he's got five goals this year and has not scored um, since November 9th. So just some things to not be worried about, but just to look at. And, and in a way, I think you look at it as a positive, that they continue to win games despite some guys slumping and trying to still figure things out because there's an opportunity – uh, for them to get hot, certainly some other guys might regress for a period of time. Beauvillier might slow down. Um, you know, listen, Brock Nelson's been great. He went through a slump himself after a really good uh, Brocktober. Towards the end of that month, he started to quiet down. And, you know, some people have joked on Twitter that maybe it was the Ryan Pulak uh, slap shot that he took to the head the other night that kind of knocked him back into Brocktober. Uh, obviously, with the back-to-back -back overtime goals, he's hot right now. Broussard started off so, so slow, then got moved to the wing, then, scored, then went on that streak where he scored five goals in consecutive games. So uh, it, it works itself out, but it's just glaring to think that two of the guys you expect to be uh, your top offensive producers on a team that's supposed to be struggling for offense uh, right now are fighting it a little bit. Um, but I'm sure they'll pull out of it in, in due time. We're going to take a break. When we get back, calls from our listeners to talk about the Islanders' 17-game point streak and more. You're listening to PTIL, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. P.T. Isles, Joe Bona with you, Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. And now we're going to open up the phones and hear from some of our listeners. We're going to start things off with... Phil, who's in Toronto, originally from Woodmere, Long Island. Phil, how you doing? It's good, Joe. How are you doing today? So how does it feel being an Islander fan um, in, in Toronto uh, these days? Uh, has it uh, been uh, – have you had your chest puffed out a little bit more, or, or do you have to kind of avoid con- constant conflict? Uh, to tell us how it's like living, um, living in Toronto as, as a member of the Islander community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's just, you know, harassment in the office every single day. I can tell you it's gotten a lot better since the start of last season. Um, July 1st, 2018, or rather July 2nd, because July 1st is an off day because of Canada Day, but July 2nd, 2018 uh, was a very, very tough day to get up and get into the office because, you know, working with, uh, you know, a, a large group of colleagues, all of them being Glee fans, although we do have the token Habs fan as well in there. Um, you know, having to go into the office after John Tavares just inks a seven-year deal to move to Toronto, the city that I had just arrived in, uh, definitely rough. Um, helped out a lot by that uh, first game that Tavares obviously played back on the island. And uh, having had the Islanders uh, have a larger taste of postseason success uh, last year and then getting off to the start this year uh, that they have has, has definitely uh, swung things in my favor. Um, the only thing that has been absolutely driving me crazy and it's only started over the past week is all this talk about Sheldon Keefe, Sheldon Keefe, Sheldon Keefe being the best coach in the NHL. I mean, two games is, is, is fine. And, and he definitely has the Leafs looking a little bit better. And, and, you know, he's unlike unlocked Tyson Barry in a big way, no question about it, but you know, this city has already, you know, I, I think they're already um, planning the parade down Bay street a little bit too soon, a little bit too soon after, you know, uh, getting rid of Babcock in certain keys. Well, listen, I give them credit, um, at least for pulling the trigger and firing Babcock, because I think as an Islander fan, you remember that uh, season where they kind of just waited too long to fire Jack Capuano. And uh, Capuano, while he had some recent success, certainly does not have the, the track record of Mike Babcock and the Stanley Cup wins. Um, so I give yeah. Dubas credit and for the, doing and- that, for recognizing that, hey, listen, it's a sense of urgency for this season for doing something, and it's not surprising that a team – you know, especially a team with this talent, because, listen, we can say what we want about the Leafs. They have a talented roster. But you get that bump uh, when you make that bit of a coaching change and there's a new voice in the room, and we'll see how far they can carry it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about the Leafs roster is from a construction standpoint, their blue line is still leaking. I don't know if you caught any of the game last night against the Avalanche, um, but the heavy pressure in the second, the heavy pressure in the third, and, you know, the Leafs really couldn't counter that. Um, the Leafs goals, one came on a breakaway from Kasperi Kapanen, uh, there was another one where Pierre Engvall just threw a, uh, you know, uh, a slingshot toward the net and happened to have been tipped in by Nick Shore. Uh, but in terms of control of play, they were still getting very much outplayed, still couldn't break up the cycle in their own zone. So I'd be very curious with them to see um, if and, and what pieces they do move uh, at around January, February time, if they're going to actually can, you know, ha- you know, make, make, it, make any changes and, and want to go on a run here. Because with the way their roster is currently constructed, I, again, don't see them getting out of the first round. And that would be really bad news for Kyle Dubas um, because now that Babcock is out of the way, 
um, there's no more excuses for not being able to, to execute and to get this team deep into the playoffs. And this falls squarely on the shoulders of Dubis. Keith, he's in a no-lose situation. He, he took over a team that had been playing terrible. Um, he's seemingly gotten them, you know, on solid footing. Uh, they like what Tyson Berry's able to do now. He's able to roam a little bit more freely uh, under this new system where it's just designed around possess- possessing the puck and not giving it up at all costs, no dumping, you know, no chip and chase or anything like that. Uh, but I'd be curious to see what moves they make specifically on their blue line um, as, as they move forward. And again, the cap constraints are there because of, you know, literally paying 50% of their cap to, to four forwards, sure. one of whom is on LTI all right now. If it doesn't work out, I'm sure Islander fans will be ready with the uh, Jerry Seinfeld. That's a shame. Uh, gifts are ready to go if uh, if it doesn't work out. Absolutely. Us in, uh, the Wonder Kid in, in, in Toronto. So, um, obviously, you got a chance to watch that game in full because the Islanders were on the West Coast and, and stayed up late. Um, as I did, I've interacted with you on Twitter, and I think certainly uh, with the way you've just broken down the lease, a knowledgeable Islander fan, uh, 15-0-2, the 17-game point streak. Let's, um, let's hear your thoughts on, on, what's, on what's working, which is pretty much everything, although not everything, but most things working right now for Barry Trotz and the Islanders. Yeah, not everything is working, and I forget who made this point, you know, but someone on Twitter made the point that the Islanders haven't even reached their potential. And I think what they were referring to is the fact that um, it seems on a 15-0-2 streak that all lines would be clicking, but Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle really haven't started to get going yet. Um, and I'm not as nervous about Jordan Eberle, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I know it's been 11 games, and it seems like he's very snake-bitten. He has been getting his opportunities. Um, he has been playing well. I mean, the goals, the goals will come. And if you look back at last season, um, through 10 games last year, he only had one goal. Um, so it was really in the last 60-some-odd games that he started to get going last year because he missed a stretch of time uh, at some point in December. Um, but the thing for me, I, I obviously love the Killer Bees line, right? Broussard, uh, Brock Nelson, and Anthony Bouvillier. Uh, but the most impressive part of, of what the Islanders have been doing, and it's, it dates back to last year, has got to be the pelic Pollock pairing. I mean, we Islander fans yep. were ready to, to shoot Pelic to the moon at some point last year. And if you look back at the, at the time that the Islanders played the Sharks last year, it was a matinee game. I think it was the Columbus Day game, as a matter of fact. And I don't know if you remember this play, but I think it was still 0-0 at the time, and Pellick had a wide-open net and decided to just do a, a Josh Bailey-type pass. And looking back at the replays, like, what the <laughs> hell is this guy thinking? And Islander fans were ready I remember to those, clobber I remember this those freeze guy. frames, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I, I also remember at about the time when Hickey was coming back, the question was going to be, is Pellick going to be the guy who's going to sit? Obviously, they're not going to sit Devontae's. And there was a lot of talk of, is it going to be Pellick? Is it going to be Mayfield? How are they going to fit Hickey in? And since then, you know, I, I would dare you to find a better shutdown left-handed defenseman in the Eastern Conference than, than Adam Pellick. Um, truly amazing what he's been able to do. And uh, one of those gem kind of signings, by Garth Snow. You could throw Scott Mayfield in there also. Obviously, not everything that Snow did, you know, worked out well for us, but a couple of good things that he did do. Number one, first and foremost, the Pella contract. Mayfield contract's right there with him. Um, and I would say the third best contract is, is the long-term deal that he gave Casey Sezikis in hindsight. Uh, that's a real good one, too. Yeah, he's hit on a, hit on a bunch, and obviously I missed out on a couple, and yet Andrew Ladd uh, currently in the AHL, and we'll see whether or not there's an opportunity for him to crack the lineup at some point, providing he's playing well down there. But without question, I think fans have been fair in this in this regard in terms of uh, giving Garth um, the 
the credit he deserves for those very friendly team deals. And it's something that he did, you know, even going back to the Travis Hammond contract, where if he saw a young player with potential, he, he tried to bet on them and, uh, you know, give them that long-term stability, hoping that they would end up outplaying the contract. And it certainly happened uh, right now with Adam Pellich. You know, you make the point about Jordan Everly, and I had talked about it at the start of the show that, you know, 11 games, no goals. And since he's gotten back now, Andrews Lee is actually without a point since 11-9, and the, those guys are playing together a lot. So the team is winning, and that's despite, uh, you know, guys that you expect to be two of their best goal scorers are right now struggling. But that's kind of what this team has done, Phil, I think, throughout the last couple of years, is that as long as enough players are going in one direction, someone is able to carry the load to get them to score, you know, that, that third goal a night. Um, and if they get to that magic number, most times they're going to come out victorious. Yeah, here's the interesting thing about Anders Lee that, you know, I've only started noticing recently. Um, the Barzal unit, if I'm not mistaken, the net front presence guy is Brock Nelson, which is not the position that he was in last year. And you, don't, uh, you obviously don't want to look to last year's power play for any template of success because they were, by and large, unsuccessful throughout the entire year, although in the playoffs they did start to get it together. Uh, but I'd be curious to see if they, you know, mix that up a little bit and maybe threw Lee on the same unit with Barzal. Uh, and put him in front of the net to start deflecting stuff. Uh, because if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Brock Nelson only had about one power play goal last year. Um, and, and he certainly wasn't getting it from that area. So I'd be curious to see if maybe there's something they can do on the power play to get Lee a little bit more involved with, you know, some of the more skilled players on that top unit. And maybe that, maybe that doesn't get him going. But he certainly was more noticeable in last night's game than he has been over the past five or six. Uh, I, I think you'd agree with that. No, I would agree with that. And I don't think it's anything to be alarmed at whatsoever. And obviously when, you know, they say winning is the best deodorant, right? So when the team is winning, all these other kind of other factors are things that they can continue to address and try to fix in time where they're going to need that type of production and tweak things out overall. Um, I just want to get quickly your thoughts on the goaltending because the Islanders have just been going this, you know, listen, we've heard about goalie rotations in the past and split in time, but nothing like this, right? Where it's, you play today, you play the next game over and over and over again. And I understand why they don't they don't change things up. But at some point, the streak is going to to end, and you wonder at that point does does one goalie other than the other end up being that number one? Because I think all through last year, despite Thomas Grice playing at such a high level, the feeling that I think most of the year, uh, really from the new year on, was that Leonard was the number one. And I'm really curious to see how that develops over the next four or five months. Oh, for sure. I mean, listen, I think, and I know you think that if the playoff series started today, um, and obviously in the playoffs, you don't go with goalie rotations. Thomas Grice only got in in the Carolina game in game four uh, when things were pretty much already out of hand and they just wanted to see if maybe throwing Grice in there would, would actually make a difference. Um, but you really couldn't fault Leonard for what happened in that series. Um, if playoffs started today, there's no doubt in my mind that Thomas Grice would be the first goalie called upon uh, in that game one. I think all of Islanders nation agrees with that. Um, I think that part of, uh, you know, what they're trying to do here is, you know, they did give Varlamov the big contract. They gave him four at 20. Um, so long as things aren't going off the rails. Um, and I know Islanders fans, including myself, were getting a little bit, uh, you know, frustrated with the fact that there were, you know, three games in a row of giving up four goals, although he definitely, uh, you know, redeemed himself to some extent last night with, with a tremendous performance and really keeping them in it for the first 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, until someone starts to, to falter and, and, and show that, you know, they're, you know, you know, not going to 
be a consistent performer. I, I think they just roll with it the way it is. I mean, structurally, the way they're built, um, the defense has a lot to do with the goaltending as well. They're able to get into those areas where they're cleaning up rebounds. Um, I like the fact that, uh, you know, Varlamov has been very, very good with rebound control. He was very alert last night, jumping on pucks that were loose in the crease um, and making a lot of good positional saves, uh, which I think is a big Mitch Korn thing. I'd be curious to see, not that this would ever happen, but what Mitch Korn would be able to do with a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, because Mitch Korn is very into positioning of a goaltender, and part of what he was trying to impress upon Leonard last year was, you have a big body. You're six foot four, 200-some-odd pounds. You don't need to move that much in order to make saves. Um, and, you know, whatever he imparted upon Leonard, it's working for Leonard again this year because he's leading the league, I believe, in save percentage at about 938. Um, so, yeah, getting back to the original question, you know, if it was playoff time now, I think it would be Grice. Uh, but until someone does something horribly wrong or until they start a, you know, a series of, of potentially a couple losses in a row, I, I don't see why they would get away from the rotation. So true, and it's going to be fascinating how this plays out going into next season. I know we have a lot of hockey to play uh, before that, but obviously with Sorokin now intentions, at least the rumors are intentions, that he's going to come uh, to North America and Thomas Grice is a free agent. Um I understand the Islanders' uh, goaltending coaches and Corn and, and Piero Greco have now proven uh, multiple times to this fan base that they can they can turn any goaltender uh, into a top performing goaltender within the system. But still, you would hate that for two consecutive years you'd have someone at the t- very top of, of same percentage in the league, uh, and then fan favorites to boot that uh, may have to go their other ways uh, based upon the structure of this of this roster. Um, well, you know anyway, who else is a free uh, Phil, agent next offseason? Yeah, go ahead. Robin Leonard. I, I'd be very interested <laughs> to see because all they've said so far about Sorokin is that he's intending to come to North America. And, you know, you can interpret that as he wants to be an Islander and he wants to play for the Islanders. But if for whatever reason it doesn't work out and he doesn't want to come to the NHL, I'd be curious to see what they do about Thomas Grice and potentially adding Robin Leonard in the offseason as a free agent. Um, again, yeah, not first, likely. I mean, it's definitely not likely, you but, think but something to keep your eye out. You know, you wonder with Robin Leonard, the way how, how cordial he's been on Twitter, rooting for the team, retweeting things, Islanders related, you know, maybe that's in the back of his mind as well. Um, you know, listen, 100%. It's, a, it's, clear, it's clearly a business, not personal when it comes to Lou Lamarillo. And I'm still very, very curious as to why things did not work out the way they are. Um, and listen, it's not again, it's not about Semyon Varlamov. He's played, he's played well. Uh, but obviously people will continue to look at what Robin Leonard is doing in Chicago. And, and like you said, he's, I mean, he's facing a whole lot of more shots uh, a night than you would right now on the island. But uh, he continues to carry over what he's done uh, from year one. And you wonder whether or not that ends up getting him what he needs and, and what he deserves, which is a long-term contract. If he's able to do Absolutely. two years in a row, you think someone's willing to, willing to do that for him. And the Islanders may not be able to do that with three more years left with Volomov's contract still in the books. Uh, so, Phil, the last thing I wanted to know before I let you go, uh, so January 4th, Air Canada Center, Islanders, Maple Leafs, are you one of these type of fans that, you know, could you and maybe find one other person in Toronto that would sit next to you with the Islanders jersey? I, um, well, I mean, I need to get my Islanders jersey, um, but I already have seats about eight rows behind the goal that the Islanders will be shooting twice. Very nice. Well done. Yeah. Well, and I'm going with in, three, I'm going with three Leaf fans, so should be fun. <laughs> should be fun. And you know what? There were there were enough Leaf fans that were at the games at the Coliseum that you know would say afterwards, Islander fans are respectful, like they directed their venom, you know, 
and I'm not saying Venom because of snakes, towards uh, Tavares and the Maple Leafs. Uh, but no no altercations between fans, at least those those three games so far. And hopefully they treat you with similar respect. Um, Phil, we really appreciate Absolutely. the call. This was fantastic. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks. All right, Phil, thanks again for the call. And next up, we have Jeff in Wisconsin, but he has Islander roots in Belmore, Long Island. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing all right, sir. How are you doing? And, Jeff, not only do you have roots on Long Island, you have a – the man who gave you those roots has a, has a very interesting surname that has connected you even further to this Islander roster. Tell us about that. Uh, it, yes, it has indeed. Uh, my last name is Clutterbuck, and spelled the same exact way as Cal. And it has provided – it's always a great uh, – it's a great story to – when I meet the Islanders fans to segue into it because they're just so their minds are completely blown by it. When um, my wife and I went out to stay, it was uh, one of the last few games before we thought it was going to be the Coliseum's last season. We stayed at the Marriott right next to it. And of course, everybody just naturally assumed, Oh, you got to be part of Cal's family. And like, actually, no, no, just a separate clutter buck. But again, the day when he got traded to the Islanders was I mean, I remember it was like one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and the second day was uh, when he signed his five-year contract extension because you could just ride this out a little bit longer. So uh, that, exactly. that's great. And I tell you what, in my <laughs> go ahead. It doesn't happen too often with this last name that you know you could get a jersey with somebody's name on it where it doesn't seem ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I was going. That's where I was going because, like, in my – I want to say advanced age, but in my, you know, mid to late 30s, I kind of – I know I'm older than the guys on the ice. So I feel very – it's me personal. No no big deal if anyone else does this. But I'm not someone anymore that's going to go out and buy a jersey with a player's name on it. it. Just for me, that's it. It's just my thing. Anyone else, go out there, buy your Barzell jerseys, buy your Dobson jerseys. Go ahead. For me, wearing a jersey of someone who's 21, just a little – you know, I just don't feel great about it. I think the last jersey I had, Islander jersey, was – you know, Pierre Turgeon, and he got straight to the air after I did that. So I'm a little scarred from that as well. But, but I think you know, for you, like for you, you had no choice, right? You had to go out and, and, and shell out the money for this, I'm guessing. I know. I felt, I felt completely justified, and that does not happen very often with the last name of Clutterbuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's hear your thoughts on this team, not only Cal Clutterbuck, but you can talk about other players as well. Um, obviously the loss in San Jose. Uh, last night, overtime loss, but the point streak continues on, 15-0-2. It, you know, the only crazier thing than the streak is the fact that they're somehow not in first place yet. Uh, the game's in hand, obviously, against the Capitals, but I'm not sure about you, Jeff, but it, when I see these power rankings now coming out, and it's one after the other, it's like all the NHL uh, media outlets got together and said, this is the week we're going to notice the Islanders are, are doing this, and they're, they're number one. I mean, Yahoo, ESPN, NHL Network, it, it's, you got to pinch yourself. This is crazy. It's it's just a continuing story of if you had asked uh, taken you know an informal survey when Tavares left uh, what two two summers ago technically nobody in their right minds would have said this is what the next year and a half of Islanders fandom was going to look like and the team just continues to demonstrate this incredible will to I mean granted there's a couple of losses scattered in here. But again, not in regulation. I mean, for this is 17, 17 point streak. I mean, this is something that we probably will we probably won't see again for a very very long time. 
And for this particular team and this particular roster, they just seem now, you know, they've really, they fully understand Trot's system uh, even better than they did last year when they had a plus 100 point season. You've got uh, Barzal actually, you know, kind of trying to shoot the puck a little bit more. He's looking like a dynamic playmaker that we, we knew was always there, but it was kind of overshadowed a little bit last year just for him adapting to the system. And, you know, the thing that people, we can, we can take solace in as Islanders fans is that this streak, again, these points count just as much as those at the end of the year. So, again, the pace with which the Islanders are playing right now is not sustainable. Everybody knows that. It's an incredible hot streak. It will end eventually. But what this team has done since Trotz has come in refusing to let losing streaks, you know, carry on beyond three games or so, your confidence as an Islanders fan has to be incredibly high for the rest of the season, knowing that even when the, you know, quote-unquote regression comes, if they just continue playing at the level that we expect them to in general, this season is, I mean, this season is going to be outstanding. And let's be honest, there's no reason, there's no reason the team couldn't win a Stanley Cup with this roster. You saw what uh, St. Louis did last year. The Islanders can follow that blueprint. Does everybody think they could probably use a little bit more of a scoring punch? That was the thinking coming into the season. But as time is going on here, you're seeing these contributions coming through where they're putting up three and four goals a game during this streak. So, I mean, if that continues, your need for that, the big fish out there on the trade market is certainly a lot less than what I think most of us would have thought coming into the year. You know, I had a similar thought. I was on a subway um, a couple weeks back probably when the streak was, you know, seven, eight games, and I was just, you know, my mind was kind of going all over the place, and I said, you know, this team can – I was thinking to myself, this team can win the Stanley Cup. Like, why not? You know, last year was so, like, such a bonus, so unexpected. You just wanted to – you know, you wanted to get out of that first round. You wanted to have home ice. Obviously, it was massively disappointing because you felt like – you know, it was, they were set up after the Capitals got knocked out to potentially make a run to a conference finals, but you couldn't ever feel bad about the way the season unfolded last year. Now expectations oh, no. have yeah. changed a little bit, and, and, and what's going to be so interesting to see is, you know, I'm a believer that last year, you know, Lou made some calls around the trade deadline, but ultimately he felt like this team was a, a year ahead of schedule a little, in a lot of ways, and he wasn't willing to mortgage right. the future for that roster. Now they're going to be in the position for, you know, potentially a top seed in the East. I mean, right now, listen, if they play 500 hockey the rest of the way, they're going to finish around 95 points. You know, so their, their, uh, their target should be 100 points and, on, and upwards from that. It's going to be fascinating exactly. to see whether or not he, he's willing to now maybe, you know, trade an asset. that He doesn't feel great about trading, but to do it to give them, you know, that little bit extra that they may need to, to go forward. And I'm not sure exactly what that, that, that piece is, probably a little bit more scoring depth, but – it's going to be fascinating come February in the trade deadline. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the, I don't want to say the jury is still out for Lou. I mean, I, me personally, just them bring the, the professionalism and the level of, you know, buy-in and the fact that he was able to bring Barry Trotz to the Island, you know, he, he gets a pass in my book for a lot, but I still get the sense that among Sounders fans, there is that they're, they're sold on Trotz. They're sold on the roster, but Lou still has some question marks. And I know a lot of that comes from what happened in Toronto with some of the contracts that he signed and whatnot. But, you know, if I'm going to be a 
kind of a smart ass about it, I would point out that it's not exactly like, you know, Toronto's been having all these uh, cup parades the last couple of years. So I, I know that Dubas is the analytics darling and he's the young pup, but, you know, Lou might have had an idea still about how to build a solid quality hockey team. So, yes, it's going to be very interesting come the deadline to see what, move he does make and I said it may not be a big splash but the Islanders honestly may not need a big splash by that point right you look at the blue line you don't think that's where they would they would go out and, and look for an upgrade it would be somewhere you would think in the top six top nine you know certainly look right now at you know the way the lines go out there and there's always that one line out of the four that you go mm, you know anything you get from them offensively is going to be gravy and and right now it's you know, Doc Cole and Koivula and, and Bailey that's kind of being Bailey's kind of being shuffled around between the top three lines where needed. So so maybe that's maybe that's what they need or someone else that can maybe add another a uh, little bit of more of an offensive punch on the power play. Obviously they went over six last night, um, but still, you know, they've been mostly improved uh compared to what they did uh, a year ago. So uh you know before I before I let you go, Jeff, just kind of you know, what's your um What's your what's your sense now being someone who's not on the island, but obviously the momentum now the organization has, you know, towards Belmont? Is, are you someone that can still get a kind of feel for what that means um, for the organization, for the community, uh, for Long Island? Uh, the fact that um, you know this franchise is going to have that type of arena stability uh, that they've been longing for for about a quarter of a century. Well, it is interesting because you know. It's obviously there's not a whole lot of Islander action out this way. Although to give uh, to give <laughs> ourselves some credit to give ourselves some credit in Wisconsin, I um I run the the Midwest Meetup Group for Isles Meetups, and so over the last year we're coming up on actually it's been like about nine months or so. Each meetup has steadily been progressing, where I kind of can I find one or two new Islanders fans out this way, so we kind of keep building it up. So there's definitely there's definitely people spread out here because otherwise you know nobody knows who the Islanders are. Like, I'll be you know I'll be honest, it's, nobody knows. Like oh that's a hockey team. Okay that's great. Um, so I've really invested myself fully into the um, the you know the Belmont struggle and because it all comes to, I mean when it comes down to it it's always it's a play about money. You know if the owners felt that they can make more money somewhere else that park wasn't going to get done. So the fact now that it's, you know, being built, first off, it just provides a sense of stability where there was this cloud hanging over this franchise for freaking decades, let's be honest, about whether or not they were still going to be here. And my hope is for Islanders fans is it's kind of similar to what we actually had out here in Milwaukee fairly recently where the arena for the Bucks, our NBA team, it was an old arena. It was actually built for hockey originally, but we never got a team in Wisconsin. So it was old. There were new owners coming in. There were worries that they were going to have to move the team. They, you know, did their magic, pitched in a little bit of money, and so we just have this brand sparkling new arena in downtown Milwaukee. And it's totally – I was just there for a game last night, and the feeling that you get when you have a new arena and – also, importantly, it's a winning team. You know, that's the other part. That's the other draw that you need. It's a totally different feeling than what it was five years ago when uh, the Bucks were playing. So that's what my hope is with the Islanders, and they seem to be headed on the right track here, is that if you build a solid team, you know, a hardworking team 
that is making you know the playoffs consistently, that barn is going to be rocking because we know that Islanders fans can do it like nobody's business. So I'm just really, really excited. I can't wait for that first season. I keep telling the wife, I'm saying, we got you know we're gonna start saving up now. Like we we will be out there at some point for that inaugural season because there's no way that I'm not gonna be there for to be part of it. That's 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 amazing. I think she should she should be part of the Midwest group if she's not already. I would I would hope so. Uh, after oh, yeah, she's married to a clutterbuck and everything. <laughs> yeah, she loves she loves to come. She always she does enjoy hockey and she's she's adopted the Islanders you know as her hockey team. She's she won't get on board with me with the Yankees. You know she's a diehard Brewers fan, so I can't I can't get her that far. But the Islanders she has no problem with. <laughs> so uh, when's the does the Midwest group have a next date on the on the calendar that we can uh, advertise here that something's uh, set up in terms of uh, location uh, yet, or that's still being yeah. worked out? Oh no, yes, absolutely. We're actually uh, we're actually really excited because we're going to be doing our first. Um, game meetup, which we haven't done yet. It's been primarily Wisconsin-based for the first uh, couple of meetups. But on December 27th, we are going down to uh, Chicago to go see when the Islanders take on the Blackhawks. And there are still there are still tickets available. So if anyone is interested, if you go on to Twitter and you search for you know Isles uh, Meetup Midwest, you'll find my account. Send me a message if you're interested. We still have a handful of tickets left. We're looking to go to um, a bar ahead of time for a couple of hours so people can kind of meet and get to know each other and then walking <laughs> over to the United Centers. You know, if there's one thing that Midwest, Midwestern people know how to do, it's drink. So we're looking forward to hitting up a bar. That bar's location is still to be determined. We're looking for just a nice location where it's not too far for people to walk. And then, yeah, so, I mean, we are tremendously excited for it because we've never – We've seen all the successful meetups, you know, down in Carolina with our groups down there where they're getting hundreds of people. And, you know, it would be nice one day if maybe, maybe we could get that kind of group going for uh, a Blackhawks game, Wild games, Blue Jackets games. So, again, I'll throw out that pitch. If anybody is interested, uh, go to Isles Meetup uh, Midwest on Twitter. Drop me a line. Again, there are still tickets available. So, yeah, we're tremendously excited for it. Well, Jeff, uh, good luck with that. We'll certainly promote that on the Isles Blog Twitter account and uh, get you as many uh, qualified drinkers as possible for that game against the Blackhawks. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was a great call. Uh, appreciate the support in Wisconsin, and uh, we'll uh, do this again. Thanks. Hey, no problem. Let's go, Islanders. All right, Jeff from Wisconsin. So we had two callers, one from Toronto, Phil, outstanding job, and Jeff, from Wisconsin, who's now pulling together the Islanders meetup crew uh, for the Midwest region. Uh, so impressive what all the Islander meetups have been able to accomplish over the last year, year and a half. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to go back to Thursday night in the postgame. Uh, Barry Trotz after the Islanders' overtime win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And a quote that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing at some point a portion of it may end up on a T-shirt may end up on someone's shoulder as a tattoo. Uh, here was the Islanders coach after the game on on Thursday night. They come to work. They come to, to compete every night, and they give you your best effort. That's sort of the the Islander way. I think it's a reflection on uh, the way we play. It's a reflection on the people we have, and a reflection in the community we live in. The Islander way. 
perfect. The way they play, the people they are, the community that they play in. I mean, Barry Trotz gets it. And this means a lot in terms of identity for the fan base, the way other players in the league see the Islanders organization as they go into Belmont, that there is an identity here. And an identity is a hardworking franchise that's all business, that knows what it means to win, that are part of a community that people want to be part of. And, you know, for so long, people look at the Islanders and Long Island, and we've talked about this enough. They don't know anything about it. Um, they're, they're much more attracted to playing in New York City and playing in Madison Square Garden for the Rangers. But then when players come here, they end up staying here. And even if they only played a portion of their career here, sometimes they make their lives here on Long Island. Um, and, and Barry Trotz is able, I think, in just a few seconds to kind of be able to capture all that, the Islander way. So if someone doesn't have that on tattooed on their body at any point yet, I'm sure that'll happen at some point. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of PT Isles. We won't be talking to you again until after Thanksgiving, but right here as part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network, you're going to have Islanders anxiety and Isle buzz later in the week. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time, Islanders country. Good night. We'll